0: And we're almost a month out from the NFL draft. And I'll be honest, this last week or so of free agency has got me like so excited, get me looking forward to that big day because of all the countless trades and signings and everything in between, seeing people jockeying for position in an NFL draft that feels pretty darn pivotal, not necessarily as big as maybe 2021 was with how many star, top flight quarterbacks were in the draft. Obviously, we need to kind of get into that conversation and get into that mode. I know we're still in the middle of March Madness, but I think there's always a good time to talk about the NFL draft. So to do that, we're going to go out to the land of the ice and snow. Not quite Valhalla, but I'm sure there's a lot of Vikings roots up in Minnesota because we're bringing on Thor Nystrom, a senior content creator for NBC Sports Edge. A lot more of an NFL draft slant. Thor, how you doing,
1: brother? It's always the right time to talk about the NFL draft. I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. And for the mock drafters out there, I'm not sure how much you do, you you delve into that realm, but how chaotic and hectic has it been this last week for those guys that spend their time mocking up all the different drafts and basically being Doctor Strange to continue the Marvel Universe, if you will, and kind of putting together all these different scenarios
1: ridiculously chaotic, and I can I can bring you behind where the sausage is made on this because I was I was working on a three round mock for work this past week, and I had to I had to change the order several times during the week as these trades went down, and then I had finalized the thing, and then the Tyree kill trade happened, so then I had to change it again. Like every single day, it seemed like you know there was a, a huge trade happening just one after the other, a procession of them, and every single time you have to reset the board. And every time you do that, everything, you know, the decision changes in the slot and that changes everything that happens after it. So it's, I mean, not only are those transactions, a huge deal, but they, they change the entire course of the, of how the draft is going to play out.
0: Exactly. Especially when you see some of the teams moving up into that top 10 range, I think that just changes the entire complexion of it all. And seeing a lot of these teams make these big moves like the Houston Texans, Made some big moves. They're already going to be high up on the draft board already, but making all these moves, especially in the first round, it's going to be very interesting to see how teams kind of go. But one man in particular that I've been seeing a lot about and a lot of hype surrounding is obviously going to be quarterback Malik Willis out of Liberty. And I saw him play against the Cajuns earlier this year. Didn't necessarily look all that great, but I want you to sell me on the hype surrounding – one Malik Willis, because he's been rising on a lot of the draft boards and a lot of the people that I've been following because of all what he's done in his pro days and everything in the Combines, he's been a guy that's been moving up that ladder.
1: He sure has, yeah. I, I just saw on, on Twitter that this, like this past week Malik Willis has now moved into the consensus number two slot with the Lions in terms of industry mock drafts. So the, the the tide is definitely going in his favor, and it's not necessarily a surprise. Like coming into the process, he was a little bit under the radar, you know, on on some some lists around the industry. He was QB four, five, six, you know, coming out of the regular season? Not on everyone though. Like he, he was my QB one coming into the process. Just I, I thought that the tools demanded it, if if nothing else. But then Malik went to uh, Mobile at the senior ball. He was clearly the best quarterback out of the six there, and Jim Nagy had gotten six of the top seven quarterbacks in the class. The only one that didn't participate was Corral, who was coming off of the injury. So I mean he, he Jim Nagy had the, the the cream of the crop there and Malik Willis is clearly the best. And then Willis went to the NFL Combine and despite not doing the athletic testing, the one thing that, that for sure would have blown up his stock, despite not doing that, he was one of the winners at the NFL Combine as well. Merely just by his, his personality sparkling like he he, he, he charmed the, the media. He he won the team interviews. And then he had that that uh, that that viral video that went out where he was helping the person on the street and didn't realize that someone was taping him. So I mean, he he is he is very quickly on the rise. I've had him going to the lines in my mock draft since uh, my my one right before the combine, and it seems like that's the way that the tide is going right now.
0: Talking right now with Thor Nyström, NBC Sports Edge definitely covers the NFL draft a blanket on it, and one guy in particular that I've been I've liked. And I think now that the Saints have signed Jameis Winston, I think it's time to kind of not necessarily focus in on quarterbacks, is one Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Does size really matter when it comes to the size of a quarterback's hand?
1: Yes and no. Like, my thing with Pickett, it's more that he has a mediocre arm. And whether you want to attribute. All of that to having small hands and, and not being able to grip the ball as hard, whether you want to attribute part of that, however much you want to do, but you can't count it twice in his evaluation, right? Like, you know, like you, 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 if it, it, it can't be something that disqualifies him, or I mean, certainly you could decide that if you wanted to. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, he, he is a guy that played outside five years a pit, but. Um, for, for me, it's, it's, it's more just the overall body of it. I know that he can throw the ball. I know he can shuttle the ball off, especially in the short intermediate area. But he's always had a problem pushing the ball down the field. And he does have some problems gripping the ball. You know, he, he has uh, some fumbling problems in college. He fumbled like 22, 23 times or whatever. So it, 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 it's a thing. It's just you can't count it twice in your evaluation when you're already dinging him for the arm strength thing and, and, and some of the grip issues.
0: And you talk about guys that have been in the league for a good while, like, Kenny, excuse me, in college for a good while, like Kenny Pickett. Another one that kind of springs to mind is Matt Corral, a guy that's been playing pretty much since his freshman season over at Ole Miss. What have been your kind of takes from on him and how much he could kind of improve his draft stock over the next few weeks? Because he feels like he could probably be a late first-round pick, early day two, depending on team needs for a lot of other different franchises
1: i absolutely think he could be a first-round pick and in fact i I know we're broadcasting right now from louisiana i in my most recent mock draft for NBC sports edge i have matt corral going to the saints at 18 i think he's in play there for for me outside of malik willis matt corral has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this class he hasn't gotten discussed quite as much as the other guys yet and the biggest reason for that is his pre-draft process really hasn't started yet because of that injury. Didn't participate in the senior bowl. Didn't participate in the NFL combine drills, stuff like that, the throwing session. So b- because of all that stuff, we just haven't seen him yet. And, and his process really hasn't gotten going yet with the chatter and stuff like that. But you have to keep in mind that the kind of talent that we're dealing with here, with, with, with Matt Corral's arm, you put it up against anyone in this class outside of Malik Willis. For, for me, it's, it's either him or Carson strong for the number two arm in this class and then Matt Carell has a real dual element, dual threat element to his game as well. Um, the only concern that you have with that thing is his, his frame is skinny, right? And so, like, when he gets out of the pocket in the NFL and, and he's running around, you, you need him to start, uh, to start sliding more and taking care of his body because you saw him get banged up at Ole Miss playing the way that he does. He's a very aggressive player, both through the air and then also when he decides to tuck and run. And a fearless player as well. But he takes shots, and it, he keeps doing that in the NFL he's going to miss time, and that's not going to be a viable thing for his franchise. So he, he just has to learn how to take care of himself better. But the the ceiling certainly justifies a first-round call, and I think the Saints are a team that that, that, that could do it. And,
0: you know, like, one of the big conversations we've had in this hour is what the Saints' future is going to be the long-term solution in the post-Drew Brees era. And I think you brought up the fact you get somebody like a Matt Corral, number 18 overall. Do you think he could fall into that second round more along pick number 49 because that's where the Saints are number in round two because I think there's I think that would fit better with their mindset versus get going with the quarterback I think you'd much rather go wide receiver in the first round because you need to have somebody a solid wide receiver too that can complement Michael Thomas
1: there's a shot but I think if, if you're thinking about one of these guys it's gonna fall into the, the middle of the second I think the better odds of that happening is to Sam Howell because of the season that he's coming off of. And then also Howell did participate in the senior bowl, but he probably wishes he didn't because he did not acquit himself very well there. And so be, because of those, those two things, his, his stock is way down. I, I think for that reason, he's, he's going to fall corral, even though his pre-draft process hasn't started yet. I just think because of the, the things I was talking about, the, the, the arm talent, and then the duality with his, his dual threat, uh, the, the, the the value you can get from his legs. I, I just have to feel like he is going to go in the top, certainly in the top 40, but I, I really think at the end of the day an NFL team is going to want to get him at the end of the first round and get him th- that fifth-year guarantee on the rookie deal.
0: Soccer right now with Thor Nystrom, NBC Sports Edge NFL Draft Perspective, and we'll kind of continue the conversation more with Louisiana flavor here. You mentioned Max Mitchell forever in a text to me when I was trying to get you on the show and hit you up. What have you seen from him, and where does he kind of land in your mind? Because he could probably be fitting more in that Robert Hunt kind of range in that draft where it's like early second-round type character.
1: You know, I, I was talking about this with a friend a week or two ago about how Louisiana is an underrated offensive lineman factory. You know, and, and, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's going to continue now that Napier is gone, but Napier did such a good job of both identifying and then developing offensive linemen. And so, and, and, you know, whereas, you know, like, I, I remember just going back to the 2019 combine, I remember going up to Robert Hunt and having a conversation with Robert Hunt about, you know, you're, you're coming from a smaller school, you're, you're facing these perception issues, et cetera. I, I think because of the guys that have come, Uh, before uh, Mitchell, but very recently from the same system, he's not facing those same questions because Napier sent a procession of those guys to the NFL right before him. Um, You know, Mitchell's a little bit smaller for for a tackle, and so he's not going to be a fit for everyone, but I think for a zone-blocking team, they're going to love him as a potential right tackle guy who, if he... Think about this like a a baseball field. They, They have this idea of failing down the spectrum so you draft a you know say a high school shortstop and if he can't hack it at rookie ball at shortstop you move him say to third base right or second base the the, the thing with Mitchell is you try him at right tackle right away if he doesn't have the anchor to hold up out there you know he's got the athleticism for it the the feet for it he's got the hands for it too but if, if he doesn't have the, you know, as the scouts would say, the sand in the pants, you know, for, for it out there, you can always move him to inside. A zone blocking team is absolutely going to going to use the, the the movement skills, are going to play there. So you can have him fail down the spectrum. He's got two shots to fail, essentially, in the NFL between the right tackle position and then going inside. So he's going to appeal to a lot of zone blocking teams, I think.
0: Thor, one more before I let you go. I want you to kind of, uh, I know you've put out your mock drafts. Who do you think is just that guy that's can't miss for like the number one pick in your mind cuz it it feels like it's a lot less like consensus as opposed to like oh. recent years
1: For sure this is another thing I've talked about like with a lot of different people around the industry for this class is just like this is a class that is very much different than the ones that we've seen in recent years where you know, like last year, we knew who the first two picks were going to be a month before the draft, right? And so it was easier to sort of project out the rest of them because of that. This class, we have no idea. You know, like, I mean, it, it, it could even be going up until late April, even the, the day of the draft, where we don't know who's going to go one, two, three. There could even be trades. I mean, like, the, the first pick could be traded. You know, I mean, leading up to the draft or on the, the day of the draft. But I, I think if Jacksonville keeps that pick, I think Aiden Hutchinson has, I'm not going to say locked himself in, because with, with this class, there's, there's not that. Um, but I think at this point, he has taken the leader in the clubhouse type, type thing because of the athletic profile he put up. He, he did all the tests, which a lot of these prospects haven't done yet or are going to elect not to do, period. Aiden Hutchinson went out. He did something that, that Kayvon Thibodeau would not do. He did something that Evan Neal wouldn't do. And some of these other guys that, that just decided to sort of sit on their lead and, and not do the athletic testing at, at the combine. Thibodeau did do the 40, but he sat out the other ones. Hutchinson was like, no, I'm doing all of them. He, he, and then he goes out and he pulls a 98th percentile size adjusted athletic composite, again, with all the tests submitted. And it, it put him up in this, this again, historic phylum of athletic uh defensive ends or whatever so you have that he's coming off of a historic season at Michigan and everyone that you talk to about him just says this guy motor is ridiculous it's not like you know usually you talk about people like his motor doesn't stop with Hutchinson it's like you know it's like vaunted right like he's like the boogeyman it's like um you know he's coming for you sort of a thing and so I just don't think that you can have any questions about him anymore you got to put him as the prohibitive favorite right now to go one one
0: Thor, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, my man. Appreciate you, brother.